San Diego's talk radio leader, 760 KFMB presents It's Your Money and Your Life. For the next hour, Richard Musio and Joe Vecchio will educate and inform you on matters related to your financial future, your life, and your leisure. Now, with It's Your Money and Your Life, here are Richard and Joe. All right, dear buddy, my name is Joe Vecchio, your co-host, announcer, and producer, coming to you from KFMB Studios with 50,000 watts of power. We're heard not just in San Diego County, but Orange County, L.A. County, up the coast of Ceylon, good night, down to Cabo, out to the desert. If you download the app for 760 KFMB or um, uh, TuneIn Radio, you can get this show on any device as it airs. And, of course, all these podcasts are commercial-free on iymoney.com. Now time to introduce the main man of the hour. He's a CPA extraordinaire, an accomplished marathon runner, a best-selling author, a lecturer, a philanthropist, and a family office expert advising several high net worth families. His name is Richard Musio. Richard, good evening. How are you tonight? I'm doing good, Joe. I'm recovering from running the America's Finest City Half Marathon with no training. Ah, recovery. Good word. Because yeah, that's what the show is I'm show, glad you noticed that. <laughs> the show's about I came a lot. in 989th place out of 5,000 runners. Is that all? That's all. So it proves that training is highly, well, you over, better, highly overrated. Yeah. <laughs> Mary ran too. She wasn't. And, I was supposed to do long distance running. I did that race. That was my one and one only, only. Uh, AFC. It starts at Cabrillo <laughs> that's right. Point. That, ends that's your PR right there. Yes, it ends. It starts. Is it still start at Cabrillo Point and it ends, does. and ends in Balboa Park, it right? Does. Where everyone's falling onto mats left and right and collapsing and. Uh, yeah, because yeah, it's uphill at the end. I don't know why people don't train for these things, but uh, oh well, they'll get the. Some people do. The smart ones <laughs> do. I do. <laughs> You know, when I was crossing that uh, cor- the uh, Laurel Street Bridge yes. and I dropped my sweatband and I looked back and saw a sea of feet coming at me, I go, my gosh. Yeah, if, just keep going forward. I said, uh, if this if this is, uh, if I was only halfway right now, if this was a full marathon, with that thought, I almost passed out myself. <laughs> but uh, in any case, uh, well, good for you. Congratulations on that. It's been a pretty busy week. Um, I do have to recommend this play called Avenue Q, the musical, you know, when all kind of Tony's mm-hmm. uh, in, in, I think, 03 or whatever. But it's, it's, there's a little gem in Ocean Beach called the Ocean Beach Play, the OB Playhouse. Uh, it's right next to the former Strand Theater, and it sells out this show, and it runs through September 17th. So that's all I'm going to say about that. It's uh, the singing and the vocals and the harmonies and live music. It's uh, really terrific. So check that out. And uh, thanks to Lori Black, former port commissioner, who got me a uh, private tour of the USS Zumwalt, which was just commissioned last December. I don't know if you knew this, Richard, but mm-hmm. uh, it's this is the future of the Navy. There's uh, this high is, tech. This is like the this is like the USS Enterprise in the water. I mean, right. this thing here, uh, you can't believe the technology uh, involved with this ship. But uh, anyway, it's uh, it's going to be tested soon, and uh, it'll be seaworthy. Uh, Within months, I'm thinking. But, but we're going to get the Captain Scott Tate. Thank you very much, uh, Scott, for, uh, for the tour. Uh, we're going to get him on the show, I think, uh, in, probably before the year is out. He's, uh, he's uh, agreed to do that. And then, of course, the eclipse was last Monday. Uh, did you happen to catch any of that, Rich? I went down to the I did. So here's a funny story. You talk about being in alignment with the universe. Mary takes a picture of the sun on her cell phone, like mm-hmm. about 1030, which mm-hmm. you can't really see anything. Right. And so she looks at it, she's like, wow, you can't really see anything. But then she looks, the sun was like a crescent reflecting. Yeah, yeah, but it was like reflecting off of a window and then bouncing off of a tree. So on like the tree trunk, mm-hmm. you see this beautiful crescent moon mm. in the picture that she took of the sun. She thought there was nothing there. And then she looked at mm. it closely and, and she said, oh, look at this tree trunk. There it is. Well, you know, Pat Brown went up to... So I told her, just tell everybody you knew exactly what you were doing. Yeah. Well, Pat Brown (laughs) went up to... She went up to Oregon or one of those places where it was almost totality. Yeah, Oregon, Montana, Kentucky. And and she took a photograph of uh, not the sun. Well, she had one of the sun, but uh, at Total total Eclipse, she looked, uh, you know, you could see the darkness. Oh, yeah. 
and it's like a, a horizon, a 360-degree horizon. It was very, right. very cool. It's too bad it's only two minutes. <laughs> yeah, it's too bad it only happens every 99 years. Well, no, actually one happens every uh, 18 months on this planet somewhere. you got to be somewhere. But I mean here. But uh, the next one is coming here, I think it's April 8th, 2024, something okay, like it's that. it's on my calendar, next Joe. Time. Good, 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 good. Anyway, without further delay, um, there, was a, there was a TV series called Breaking Bad. Uh, we've had this guest on prior a couple of years ago, but addiction and recovery affects Probably everybody we know. If it's not just if it's not ourselves, it's a friend or relative. Uh, I think everybody knows somebody who's struggled, and um, so that's what this show is all about today. And uh, why Netflix is so addicting? Yeah, no, this is more than Netflix. Okay. But anyway, we have with us the executive medical director of the True Life Center for Wellbeing, Doctor Krista Royball. Welcome back to the show, Krista. Thank you so much for having me. It's yeah, a pleasure. Our, our pleasure. And then I also brought along a good friend who uh, who is dealing with recovery, and I'm just going to give his name, Brian. Brian, welcome to the show. Thank you, Joe. I appreciate yeah. it. And then we may get Bree Walker around. We're going to see, but uh, uh, but she's uh, she's willing to talk about her her journey as well, and she's uh, she's uh, getting her life turned around as, as well, and she's in a center uh, in another city right now. But anyway, Krista. Um, Gosh, Welcome so, back, Krista. Yeah. Thank you. It's good to see you again. It's yeah. so fun to be here. You guys are great. Yeah, let's qualify uh, who you are, because I know you went to UCSD. You were actually, uh, I think, a literature major, right? I was. Yes, yeah. I remembered that. But mm -hmm. uh, your your trajectory is uh, unbelievable, because uh, you wound up becoming, obviously, an MD. Just give us your little, uh, you know, born and raised med in, in education real quickly So we, before we get into the, the topic. Oh, it's interesting. So I grew up in Los Angeles. Um, I went to UCSD. I was a literature major. I was living with a surgeon during my undergraduate, and she was like, why are you studying women's literature? Um, you make a great doctor. And she invited me to the hospital. Um, and I had a few other experiences that really led me to say that, wow, this field is incredible in the way that you can be in someone's life. And so I went did all my pre-meds after I finished my literature degree, did all my pre-meds, went mm. to New York Medical College. Um, and then I, I wanted to be an OBGYN and do women's mental health and um, kept fainting in surgeries. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, I guess this isn't going to work for me. So I went into family practice at UCSF um, in San Francisco. And it just so happened that in my experience, so many people that I sat with um, ended up telling me about their mental health or their trauma stories. And I thought, I mean, it seems like 75% of people who come into this family practice office really have a mental health etiology. Mm -hmm. um, so it, midway through my residency, I switched over and went into psychiatry. And I trained in the land of Breaking Bad. I think it's part of what made me an addiction doctor in mm -hmm. New Mexico. Mm -hmm. oh, sure. um, and had lots of experience um, and excellent training there. Mm -hmm. Now, uh, last time you were on the show, your office didn't have quite this many staff. I mean, you've grown quite a bit, wouldn't yeah, you say? we have. We have, which shows the need. Yeah. I mean, there are nearly 25 people in our office, and we've grown. We doubled our square footage just mm -hmm. this year. Mm -hmm. um, I mean, one in four people have a mental health condition. Um, nine and a half percent of people have of addiction. Us, there's four of us at this table. That's I'll, right. I'm, 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 I'm the probably the prime candidate. So. <laughs> <laughs> aren't we all? Yeah. I mean, aren't we all? Like you said, it's, it's, it touches all of our lives. It does. Yeah. So your office is in UTC. Let's tell people where you're located. It's the True Life Center for Wellbeing. Of course, the website is truelifewellbeing.com, but um, located where, around Genesee? Or? Right off of Genesee, yeah. We're one block north of the UTC Mall. 
Which so, is which yeah. is talk about growth. That place is growing exponentially. Oh my God. Have That's you seen right. that place? There's so much construction going on around That's there right. right now. It's unbelievable. I mm-hmm. mean, where the ArcLight Theater is and that yeah. whole end of the mall, it's all high rises now. I mean, yeah. mm-hmm. somebody's really betting uh, betting big that. Uh, I was just helping my wife Mary get out of there this morning on yeah. the cell phone because of all the construction that was going on. Yeah, I know. I know. Like, I, where, where do I go? I can't I'm get all, out of here. I'm all for growth, but that does mean more traffic. But that's another. That's, right. that's more mental health issues. That's we another can, show. Yeah, you'll be treating. <laughs> yeah. You'll be treating. Uh, you know, anger issues for traffic uh, addiction or something. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Distress tolerance. Right. But um, so, Krista, um, you you first uh, opened up here. Uh, you were attracted to um, uh, dealing with addiction and mental health. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, but I, I was what? curious, though, before that, how, how many years did you spend in New Mexico? Uh, about six years. Oh, okay, mm-hmm. long time. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I opened up a private practice there after I finished my training. Mm-hmm. And then I um, always wanted to come back here. Since I went to UCSD here, I just had my sights on making it back. Mm-hmm. So we came back in uh, 2009. Yeah. Okay. So anyway, before we get to the break, we've got about a minute to the break. Uh, we, look, we've had these stories about this US, uh, USC, uh, one of the deans there, the medical deans, who was a very high-lined uh, eye surgeon who raised, mm-hmm. um, I think, billions of dollars for the school. Mm-hmm. I forget the name escapes me right now, but uh, he's been dealing with uh, addiction. and I don't know what his status is, employment status is. There was a, a big article in the New York Times, which I forwarded to you, which uh, you had also discussed with a colleague about uh, the legal profession. And I guess mm-hmm. this high-flying Silicon Valley lawyer who mm-hmm. uh, had a very successful career. His wife found him dead yeah. at his, at his and home. And she didn't know he had addiction. That right. was part of the story that really blew me away. Yeah. And it affects the medical uh, uh, profession oh, as well. So, Anyway, we're going to come back with Dr. Krista Royball, Brian, Richard, myself, right after this. Hang on. Oh, now that's very good music, Justin. Bob Newhart. Bob Newhart talking about psychiatry, psychology, whatever. And we're back with Dr. Krista Ryball, the executive medical director of True Life Center for Wellbeing, right here on Executive Drive up here at UTC with a thriving practice. Um, growing, uh, you've doubled your practice pretty much since the last time you were here, right? At least, maybe yeah. quadrupled. Good, we'll take, yeah. we'll take credit for that. Yeah. You should, absolutely. Yeah, yeah absolutely. that's right. Yeah, when we first opened, we were here. It was yeah. all due to yeah. your show. Yeah. So we, uh, we were discussing um, before the break, uh, you know, how addiction affects the professions. Um, our friend Brian here made the good remark that uh, it, it'll affect everyone from Park Avenue to the park bench. But um, maybe, Brian, you could explain you know your your experience with uh, with addiction how you got started your age you're you're a young guy right you're 20 24 right now 24 right. Whoa, that's really young yeah um from what area you're from back east or i'm from rhode island rhode island yeah all right so just tell at what age and give us your little bit about your journey and then we can have chris to comment i guess on that yeah so um i first uh I first picked up drugs uh, in, in high school. Um, well, I first drank when I was 13, so right right before high school. And then uh, within six months, I was a full-blown um, drug addict, alcoholic. Um, by the at, time at I... At age 13? At age, uh, at age 14. 14. Um, yeah, so I was a little over 13 and a half, and by age 14... Um, when I got into high school, it's a lot easier, you know, to get uh, pills um, in high school than it is to get, you know, alcohol. So it was friends. It was just everyone. You had a little group that was doing this, and you said, "This is cool. Let's uh, be." I, exactly. I took it the first time I drank, and I said, that, "You know, this is it." You know, I've, I've, I'm like, "This is it. I've reached the pinnacle." And you the know? pills came from where? From uh, parents' medical cabinets. Parents, uh, friends, parents. Um, that's that's usually where where it all started. And were they what amphetamines or what were you guys taking? Um, benzodiazepines and um, and opiates is uh, and, and then. 
eventually like Adderall. Um, and of course you mix that with alcohol and you really got a bad cocktail, right? Yeah, really anything that takes me out of myself, anything that I can change how I feel now, is what I was going for. Now, why do you think your kids, was it, was it uh, you know, you had problems at home? I know growing up in, in and of itself, the teen years, everyone thinks it's so wonderful. I mean, there's a lot of teen depression out there. And of course, when you start adding you know, self-medicating, you're just going to, a lot of kids are going to magnify it. Did you lose any friends? You must have lost, I mean, uh, to OD dad. Oh, yeah. Abs- um, I, yeah, I lost um, definitely a lot of friends, and, and unfortunately, there are going to be a lot more, you know, yeah. that, that I'm going to lose, and we're, that's just, that's We're talking the, dead, dead, right? Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, and through, also, I've lost um, non-drug addict alcoholic friends due to my, you know, my actions and my, mm-hmm. my behavior. Mm-hmm. Um, just... They're not dead, but you know, right. um, they, you've lost re- yeah. relationships. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, interesting. So you're 24, but um, and and when did you hit bottom? Were you homeless? Because I know our uh, your other friend was homeless. Yeah. So up. as far as as far as a bottom from from my experience, um, I, d- I don't necessarily believe in that that philosophy. They say you know you hit you hit your bottom when you put that shovel down. So I mean I can always get lower, you know. There's yeah. always there's always lower. So for for me I guess it was uh, a, a spiritual bottom, mm-hmm. I, I I guess you could say. And uh, but um, well, back. But I mean, what was your situation? At what were you homeless? I mean, because did you? Find- I was um. So this go around um. It was it was it was my girlfriend. She she, she up and left. Uh, mm-hmm. she you know she had enough. Can't blame her, you know. And you uh, were like 19 or so. How old were you? Oh, this well um. That was that was prior um, when I first got sober back in the East Coast. I was twenty, um, okay. and I was sober for two years. Were you able to graduate from high school, or did I it? did not? Did yeah, not. yeah. Anyway, so but uh, your girlfriend left, and then you you went to recovery one time. You said this is a process, right? So. Well, I've been in and out since I was sixteen. Uh, my first treatment uh, facility it was a state ran facility. It was I was there for nine months. Uh, I was my whole senior year. Uh, I went to school there um, every morning, 6.55. We had sprints. Um, it was uh, saved my life. It planted that seed, you know, of recovery that, mm-hmm. that there is a solution. Um, I wasn't ready at the time, yeah. but I'm forever grateful um, for that institution. Yeah. Now, Krista, we hear about the addictive personality or the, the gene or whatever. Is it true that, um, you know, two people, uh, one can use and one cannot, and and one will be able to stop, and the other will have issues and, and not be able to. Uh, uh. This is most certainly a nature and nurture issue. Um, there's definitely genetic predisposition, um, but it's also there is choice and behavior involved in it, mm-hmm. um, just like there are with many other medical conditions. It's not just you know it's the interaction between what we're predisposed to genetically and how we interact with and our And a lot might be what we learn at home. I mean, if a, one Certainly. or more, if one or both parents are maybe alcohol, uh, have an alcohol issue. Did you come from a family with uh, anybody have a, a, other chemical addictions? No, no, no chemical addictions um, at all in, yeah. in, uh, in my family. See. Yeah. Well, I guess it, um, then there's also the emotional component. And, and um, I mean, majority of folks with addiction have a co-occurring condition. So whether that be social anxiety, depression, um, psychosis, um, any any condition, even you know autistic spectrum. Mm-hmm. Um, so majority of people, over seventy five percent, have a co occurring condition. Hmm. So I'm not sure if that was Brian's situation, but usually the drug starts because it's doing something very positive. 
I think people don't realize this. It tends to be a coping or an outcome that you're actually getting something really positive out. I it's heard, only over I, time that it doesn't I heard work. Mort, I heard Mort Saw once say, because right. the problem with drugs is they make you feel good. Absolutely. Well, ex- exactly. What did you get out of? And, uh, yeah. and I 100% agree, because, I mean, drugs and alcohol, they, they were my solution. They you know, you know for, the, for the longest time, and yeah. they, they did what they you know needed to do. Um, and uh, now I, I, mean, I use this 12-step program. Um, but, yeah, you're exactly right. Um, the, and the reason why people change, I mean, you, Brian brought up the story of his girlfriend, is that there's some consequence, mm-hmm. right? So it's like the drug betrays you because initially it's your redemption and it's helping you cope. But then over time, all it the, actually becomes to hurt you and losses, betrays you. The losses. Yeah. Uh, uh, you, know, uh, you get an ultimatum from a girlfriend. You have a legal c- consequence. Um, you can't do your job. Or the thing fired. that you actually were getting help with like your anxiety gets worse yeah. mm-hmm. this is what happened with the benzos you if know, you get fired I, or something sure yeah i yeah. mean i call the benzos a silent epidemic because no one's talking about them what's the um the um the trade name for these drug benzo uh it's valium xanax librium ativan <laughs> yeah okay so and those are xani bars xani bars yes. they're on the street they're <laughs> two mill- milligrams of xanax so the medical profession has to take some responsibility for this because that's where people are initially are getting these uh, as prescription drugs right majority of people using heroin majority started with prescription drugs mm. you in, in on the street um, oxy costs about a dollar a milligram and 30 milligrams is a starting dose for oxy cotton Mm -hmm. so it's about 30 bucks a pill um heroin um you get for about seven to twelve bucks for the equivalent dose Mm. black tar out of mexico generally is about three bucks Mm. so it it becomes a financial issue i mean over time you can't sustain a habit if you're doing you know 20 oxys a day yeah um think about what that is you know you just your budget can't handle it yeah and and the medication that's being prescribed is it is it in response to physical um, challenges like, so, like pain management is in response good, to psychological challenges. Oh, such a good question. So I was trained in the 90s, and we were told that pain was the fifth vital sign. Mm-hmm. And we were educated that we had to be asking about pain. At the same time, this is like a perfect storm. Right. Purdue and other companies that are making these pills are telling doctors and actually educating in medical schools. Medical schools are actually presenting these you know, to students in training that these did not cause addiction. And so we were taught to be treating and asking about people's pain, and then to and then the companies were saying, no, this doesn't cause addiction. Right. Sound familiar? Like the tobacco industry. Yeah. Sure. Then um, doctors nowadays, and we have to be talking about this issue. Have one out of two doctors are burned out. Mm-hmm. It's far easier to pick up your pen and write a prescription, mm-hmm. write a refill, than to actually talk to a patient about what's the predisposition, mm-hmm. and to actually do prevention or get them into care. It's right. really hard to talk to somebody about drugs for the first time, yeah. doctors included. A- ab- absolutely. And, and even um, my, my two cents is with, like, with the pain or whether it's the, the mental health issue, whether it's anxiety, it's usually a symptom you know, of, of the actual problem, whether it's the pain or, or the mental health. And, and what the doctors are doing are really just going after the symptom and not the, not the the not cause. The, not yeah. the root cause. Yeah, exactly. Not yeah. the root cause. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Interesting. Well, um, obviously, getting to the root causes of, and, and PTSD, and I get a lot of our veterans, too. Uh, oh, you absolutely. Know, they, they just write prescriptions, and, and a lot of them are doing these online treatments as well, I think. Uh, so they've got to get that under control. But awareness and, and the fact that we're talking about it openly, and maybe we'll stir more, uh, more solutions to this. We'll be back with Dr. Krista Ryball, Brian, myself, and Richard right after this. Hang on. 
are back with It's Your Money and Your Life, the award-winning show. And this is a time where Richard likes to thank our sponsors. Big thank you to our sponsors. Couldn't do the show without them. Of course, at the top of the list is UBS with Michael Coranta. Also, we love CPAs on the show. We love them so much. We've got two groups of them. Jason Kruger, CPA with Signature Analytics, a great CFO service firm. Also, Plato Epic CPAs, more traditional CPAs in terms of tax returns and financial statements with Don Epic and Paul Polito. Also, our dear friend, Joel Grushkin. Joel, of course, heads up cost segregation initiatives, helping real estate owners improve their cash flow. My recent lunch guest, Sean Puckett. Sean, of course, is VP of Mechanics Bank, a great niche market bank here in San Diego, serving wealthy families, families that own their own businesses and tend to operate in the real estate space. Also, Hub International. Hub International focuses on employee benefits. Talk about a confusing area given what's happening with health care reform or not. But we highly recommend Hub International. Also, Tony Lombardi and Alex Sonkin, they head up the LG Experience and the Lombardi Group, helping wealth advisors make heroes out of CPAs, the CPAs' very best clients. Also, recent guest, Paul Hines. Paul, of course, is the CEO of Hearthstone Private Wealth Management, and he is also the catalyst behind SeniorSafeAndSound.org here in San Diego, helping to prevent the financial abuse of the elderly. And, of course, we have Michelle St. Clair. Michelle is the founder of Elite Lifestyle Management, a great concierge service firm here in San Diego. If you want to get your most precious asset back, that would be your time. Elite Lifestyle Management can help you do that. And, of course, Brenda Geiger. Brenda is an estate planning attorney, also does asset protection. Geiger Law Office, that's what they specialize in. Now, for those listeners who are missing dinner because they love our show so much and you're getting hungry... We can help you there too, right, Joe? Absolutely. There's the Berry Good Food Foundation headed up by Michelle ciccarelli Lirac, coming up with uh, another Berry Good Night dinner in September, I believe. And also the uh, Lestat's Coffee Houses, Normal Heights, University Heights, and new one on University Avenue, all open 24-7, 365 with uh, great food, great coffee, and great people watching. And I know many of these sponsors have been working with Richard for many, many years for... Uh, with great success, right, Richard? Long time. In some cases, up to about three decades. Yeah. <laughs> For those of you who can't do math, that's 30 years. There you go. So if you go to iymoney.com, there's a sponsor tab across the top of the page and a drop-down menu. You can learn about any or all of our great sponsors. Um, and there you go. And this is about a 304th show, Richard. We're up for Press Club Awards. About, yeah, he's rounding off. Yeah. It's approximately our 304th <clears throat> well, show. Folks. Yeah. Uh, anyway, we're up for Press Club Awards. Uh, we'll know in October how we do again, but we've got plenty of blue ribbons, uh, you know, starting in 2013. And, and there you have it. But anyway, let's get back with uh, Dr. Krista Royball, Executive Director hey, of Krista, the can I ask you a question about, Life Center for about marijuana. So I've got oh. my wife and I have a second <clears throat> home in Durango, Colorado, mm-hmm. which we love. But like on every corner, there's a there's a pot shop, right? Mm hmm. And there's a lot of really bad driving in Colorado now because I, I'm convinced a lot of people are smoking while they're driving or That's just right. before they go out. That's right. And you hear some people say marijuana doesn't, doesn't have any effects on you whatsoever. And other people say, no, it's like a gateway drug to all kinds of things. All I, all I tell people is all you have to do is drive around in Colorado for a while before you conclude that marijuana has some effect on your behavior mm-hmm. or your ability to have good judgment because half the people who are smoking they might as well be drinking and driving as Absolutely. far as I'm concerned. So the question Absolutely. is? So the question is, marijuana, is it good, bad, indifferent? I know California's legalized it. I mean, wh- I think what is it? <clears throat> we don't know. We don't know? So okay. we've legalized something that we don't have full scientific evidence for, and this mm-hmm. is our largest um, experiment nationally. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think the, the people who might be hurt the most are young people um, because they have a lot of access to it, and it is legal. 
Um, in terms of effects, absolutely from a medical perspective, you have um, impaired cognition, you have motor deficits that do affect driving, mm -hmm. um, you have concentration, you have altered judgment, so increased risks of um, sexually transmitted diseases. And under high doses, I mean, people can get very paranoid and have mm -hmm. psychosis. Long-term effects are addiction, altered brain development, poor educational outcomes, lower IQ. People who smoke pot daily or regularly do have a lower IQ for frequent users, especially during adolescence. Mm -hmm. And then diminished life satisfaction, diminished achievement overall. Um, but, even chronic bronchitis. Yeah, but the paradox is there are medical uses for, for marijuana mm -hmm. and cannabis. And um, so no, no uh, doubt um, it helps people with wasting diseases and glaucoma, yeah, all kinds of the, these things. And, of course, they have the, um, the cannabinoids, which you can take, which are non-psychoactive, which may have uh, CBD and yeah. CBD oil. Absolutely. So uh, for seizures and, and, and things like that. So wasting th disease. I mean, there are many benefits of it. And so, again, it's a complex issue. And, and look, the, it's out there. People mm -hmm. are are using, uh, whether it's legal or not, I, I think by decriminalizing it, uh, I'm not so sure. There may be a little spike in use at first, but I think over long term, now, now Portugal, and if, you know, I don't know if you saw the Michael mm -hmm. Moore film, uh, Where to Invade Next, but Portugal, they've decriminalized all drugs. Mm -hmm. And um, and it's, it's taken a stress off of the legal system, and I don't think we should. Well, yeah, it's such a waste of legal I don't resources. We shouldn't be jailing people with addiction. Right. That's not going to cure the problem. It's right. just going to make things worse. Uh, so I, I couldn't agree more, yeah. and this brings up the issue to me of shame. When you decriminalize, you take that element a little bit. You lessen the effect of shame, and there's so much shame with it. Yeah. Honestly, there are the same amount of people in this country who have diabetes as who have addiction. It's 9.5% yeah. of the population. Yeah. And both of these have a genetic component and a behavioral component. Mm -hmm. Why do we think about them so differently? Yeah. You know, because mm -hmm. we're criminalizing and we're adding shame onto addiction as yeah. if, you know, there's something bad about these people. But if you get help now, where did you initially get help, Brian, from the state or from? Um... <clears throat> well, I, I was actually um, I was forced uh, by the state to go into treatment. It was that or, uh, or that or juvie. Um, so, uh, you, you know, know, I'm, I'm thick headed. So it takes, it takes till that till, uh, -huh. uh to get me into treatment. Um, but yeah, no, I was, uh, I was forced by the, by the judge. And this is in Rhode Island, right? In, in Rhode Island. Okay. Correct. And, uh, like I said, I'm forever grateful because it planted that, that seed that, yeah. you know, th there's a solution out there. Now, did you relapse at all? Cause you said you went through it. Oh yeah. So that was, that was when I was, I'm 24 now. That when was, I was 16 and then I was kind of in and out from 16 to 20. Mm -hmm. And from 20 to 22, I was sober for two years. Um, back on the East Coast, uh, going in the treatment facilities, sharing my story and the detoxes, mm -hmm. um, you know, sponsoring people, um, and, you know, and, uh, and all, that, all that good stuff. Yeah. Yeah. No. Relapse is the norm. Yeah. So I think we need to think about it as a chronic condition. Mm -hmm. And the goal is that not, I mean, the hope is that you maintain sobriety for life. And, the, you know, a percentage of people do that. Yeah. But also we need, to, we need to be thinking about it on a daily basis as a chronic long-term condition. Mm -hmm. And how, if I do have a lapse, right, yeah. how can I get so quickly back onto my sobriety yeah. train and, and not fall? Yeah. Now so, so, Brian, how did you make your way to San Diego? Um, I actually, um, <clears throat> when I got sober, one of the times, actually, I was in treatment in Vegas. Okay. Um, funny place for treatment. Yeah, I was going to say. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so I was treatment there um, before the time I got sober for two years. And um, so after I, I relapsed, I was out for about five, six months or so. 
and um, ended up going back to the same treatment facility and just figured a just complete change of scenery and yeah. uh, came out to San Diego. Okay. Mm-hmm. Has, your, has your family been supportive though, or are they a- kind of? Uh... A- absolutely, they they were. Um, I mean, they're on my team. They're they're number one. Um, the enabling stopped um, about when I was when I was twenty, and I was looking at a year in in prison for for charges. And uh, I asked my dad if we were going to get a lawyer. He said, uh, absolutely not. He said, I think the best thing for your sobriety is that maybe you go to prison. Mm. And um, they mm. they could not love me more. They have done giving me the world and more, yeah. you know. But even even at that point, my own dad thought the best thing for me was, you know, getting locked up for a year. Yeah. He didn't see Can me Can you describe stopping. enabling? Because I think some of our listeners probably don't know that term, even though well, we Well, sending do. money or whatever, yeah, right? It's a, it's, it's a tricky... It's it's. But in your case, what were they doing? If you um, whether it was, um, yeah, just letting me stay, even honestly live at home um, or mm-hmm. continuing to look the other way or, oh, you're just drinking alcohol, you're not taking yeah. pills um, yeah. or sending me money and, yeah. and, and stuff like that for, for sure. Yeah. Um, I would Jerry say. Lewis had a son and uh, his other son who, who died from drugs uh, and um, his other son, Gary, was very... Um, the, the quote I read, he was very negative about his father, saying he just turned his back on everything. Mm-hmm. So, um, so this affects it affects everybody. Mm-hmm. But um, uh, you know, parents really. I mean, if, if you're lucky, you have one or both parents still still trying to help. And a lot of times, they don't know how to help, so they are enabling when they really think they're helping, right? And and, and that's the thing. There's no there's no guideline. There's no you know you know written on. Yeah, exactly. There's no no one knows until especially when it happens. To you, like you know, as as a parent, it's tough to even say what you would even do. Um, so that's it's it's a tough it's yeah. a tough road for sure. I mean, part of our approach in treatment is to get the whole family involved, and it just depends with each family. Do we do that in family program where we actually give classes and teach them, or is it that we bring the parents in sometimes independently from the patient mm-hmm. and work with just the parents independently yeah. because they don't know yeah. what the best. We'll, we'll have to are. take a little break. We'll come back with Dr. Krista Royball mm-hmm. and Brian. We'll get into solutions and treatment and prevention uh, when we come back. Hang on. We're back with Dr. Krista Royball, Brian, Richard, myself. We're talking about addiction and recovery, problems, solutions, answers. Uh, when we last left off, I guess we were talking about Brian's experience. Um, but now you got into physical fitness, and now that's been a big, a big component of your recovery, right, Brian? Oh, absolutely. I'm uh, that's you know mind, body, spirit um, kind mm-hmm. of kind of thing. I mean, I believe you know. Just you know the anatomy of the human body, how we've evolved, is you know to keep this keep this body moving. You know. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Now, when I was trying to quit smoking, and I know you're still you're still dealing with tobacco addiction, but I smoked from 18 to 23, and uh, two years in, two and a half, I, I realized uh, you know I wanted to quit, and I could not, and I was beating myself up. I took up jogging, and uh, mm-hmm. I don't. I if I didn't take up jogging, I don't think uh, I would have been able to quit. And, and, replace and, one addiction with another. Yeah. yeah. Well, no, no. <laughs> you, you, you know, you replace a bad habit with a good habit. So mm-hmm. that's how I approached it. And there was a book I read called The Joy of Running by Doctor. He was a, a, I a, remember that uh, Theodore yeah. Castrobala, I think his yeah. name was. But uh, the one thing that got me was he took depressed patients, and he just said, "We're just going to have you move forty-five Ooh, minutes day, right. a day around a track, whatever. Move pace. your feet before you eat. Yeah." yeah. Uh, just Right, but mm-hmm. just uh, 45 minutes at a, whatever pace, and he said they all improved to some degree or another with their depression. Absolutely. And and, um, and I also say with 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 drugs, for every high there's a low. See, we never see the we never see the bad part of it. We mm-hmm. always see the up part of it. Mm-hmm. But for every high there's a low, mm-hmm. and then you know obviously once the 
that's where the addiction comes in because you don't like being at the low. You got to right. try to, you know, yeah. get back to that high part. And um, so it's like a dog chasing its tail. There's no. When you talk about solutions, I think partly the American culture has to learn how to tolerate pain. That's mm. not a message that anybody wants to hear. True. Mm. But we're five percent of the world's population. We consume seventy-five percent of prescription drugs in Isn't the world. That crazy? Well, well, I know. I'll, so, go, I'll go in for some simple medical procedure or something, and the doctor mm. said, "Do you want some pain medication?" That's right. I'm like, "No. Why would I need that?" Yeah. Mm-hmm. She'll, I, she'll say, "Well, because it might hurt a little." I'm, yeah. I'm like, "Well, so what?" Well, I want to do a show but, on emotion, but it's just so easy to get. Yeah. I mm-hmm. saw I saw that's a right. TED talk with a with a doctor talking about emotional intelligence yeah. EQ, and yeah, that's uh, right. we're going to do a show with this guy too because I think that's very Who's important. That? Um, I Travis, uh, I forget oh yeah, his, I, know. I forget mm-hmm. his last name, but he actually turns out he lives he, he uh, his office is in San Diego. Mm-hmm. I thought he was somewhere else, but oh, he's here. But EQ is very important. And, uh, but you had some county data, too, that I wanted you to share, um, uh, Krista. So could you share that? And then we'll try to get into some prevention and treatment and solutions. Just related to San Diego, I mean, emergency visits for opiates are up um, by three. You know, tri- it's tripled in, mm-hmm. from 2006 to 2014. Um, I think another piece of information people might find interesting is that one in four people buying heroin get it in North County. That might be, you know, a stigma people didn't think was going on. Mm-hmm. Um, heroin is now tied with meth for what people get treatment for in San Diego. And also men and women are equal um, in terms of opiate addiction. Mm-hmm. Um, it's about 50-50% split mm-hmm. um, and, in and our county. And a lot of times you cannot tell. You might be have a colleague or, or somebody you know who uh, you would have no idea that there they were using There is no it. face to addiction. It's yeah. you, me, it's anyone at this table. And they get really good at hiding it, don't oh, they, bro? absolutely. Expert. <laughs> Expert, yeah. That's Super what we good. do. Yeah. yeah. But the mind-body approach that you were talking about, Joe, is also really critical. I mean, we have a personal trainer. We have a gym at True Life. Mm. So part of treatment is actually getting the whole person well, just mm-hmm. like Brian spoke to. We talk about nutrition. We teach meditation. We give people actual physical workouts. Perspiring is a good thing. Get the toxins yeah, out, right? Yeah, and and learn how to experience a natural endorphin high. Mm-hmm. You know. Um, well, now Richard brought up diet. Now sugar, yeah, Coca Cola. Well, I wanted so, to ask about eating or overeating or not eating enough or believing. Mm-hmm. And, and what and, as what, a, as and, a, and what we're eating. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Even even I've been reading some studies on uh, me and Joe were talking about on the way over here. It's in the, in the microbiome of, of the gut, mm-hmm. um, and there's mm-hmm. there's a whole e- whole ecosystem down there, and they're right. uh, they're really relating that to even uh, mental health, calling your gut the second mind. Yeah. Um, now, so I mean, how what you put in your body, you know, how three four times a day for over years and years of years is of course going to affect no, them. I've, no, I've seen uh, people who use, they come into Lestat, you know, they'll pour a half a jar of sugar into their car. I mean, it, it seems like sugar addiction goes with uh, chemical addiction. Well, I guess it's all chemicals, right? Oh, we see a lot of folks after they get sober from, you know, a chemical substance will start increasing their sugar intake. Yeah. Um, and well, it actually has the same effect on the liver. So you get the same liver inflammation as if you would alcoholic hepatitis. So you're asking mm-hmm. the question, and I think every MD should be asking a patient, you know, what's your diet like? What are you eating? eating, Mm -hmm. how much you're eating, and all that stuff, because uh, that's critical. I mean, uh, your food is your medicine, and we don't look at it that way. Absolutely, absolutely, and the quality of food and the 
choices that we're making. It's a way to nourish and and provide self-care. And we really try to offer self-care practices Mm -hmm. that people do every single day of their lives, not just in sobriety, but in a way of um, sustaining long-term mental health. Yeah, and I know within the last month, I've given up anything in a can. I'm eating whole foods, apples, Mm, carrots. uh, You you know, I do eat uh, meat and uh, a little bit, but and I've cut my diet way down, and I I feel terrific, you know. Mm -hmm. And Brian, you probably cleaned up your diet too as part of your uh, treatment, right? Uh, I mean, oh yeah, you don't, you don't eat fast food, do you? No, very, very rarely, for mm-hmm. sure. I do kind of like a ketogenic diet. Um, try to get you know mainly that's just how my body runs, and I've been doing a lot of experimenting. And everyone's different as far as there's no one set diet. Um, but yeah, it's just kind of intuitive eating is mainly how I how I kind of handle it. Mm-hmm. I love it. Richard was talking earlier about eating disorders, and is it an mm-hmm. addiction? Um, and I think part of the source of an eating disorder is control. Mm-hmm. So that main piece, um, you know, addiction to substances, you get, you lose your control when you're trying to control every single thing going into your body. Right. It's a way to control when you feel out of control in your life. Mm-hmm. So that can be one of the key sources um, that we generally explore with a patient. Now, do you ask patients, you know, how much stress is going on in oh, your life? Because, I mean, uh, there's traumatic, uh, you know. Default. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I mean, whether you're jo- a job loss, or, uh, you lose a relationship or a friend or whatever, uh, you know, you'll just pile those up and people start self-medicating. But uh, dealing with those other root causes uh, probably will help get them into a better place, right? That's right. Um, and also, we tr- I try to really teach folks how to get high from being good to yourself mm. and how to care for yourself. Absolutely. That's not something that's taught early on in life. And can we get a natural high? You know, stand up comedy has been, you know, without comedy and humor in my life, mm-hmm. I probably would have wanted in a bad place. But I used mm-hmm. to, I, the, my church was the improv every Sunday night from Love 84 it. to 94, pretty much. And I saw almost every comic, uh, you know, on the The church of the improv. Yeah. I love that. <laughs> I love that. That's really great. Well, once, I think laughter, you know, you're Absolutely. on your way to wellness once you can laugh at yourself and laugh at things. And because, uh, you know, I'll bet you've lost, you know, when, you go, when you're dealing, you, you know, you probably fell asleep the humor lot of things right brian but uh you're in a better way now where you can laugh at things and oh yeah ab- absolutely kind of living living life on life's terms mm-hmm. and uh yeah mm-hmm. i was um i mean kind of stepping back a little bit yeah i mean suicidal i was mm-hmm. um just i was just out depressed i was i didn't want to be here in yeah. all honesty of course mm-hmm. gratitude for big gratitude's a big thing and oh, being absolutely. in san diego in this beautiful part of the world you know mm-hmm. d- despite our you know we have our challenges but i mean compared to some other cities and play i call my brother just briefly uh, I called him back in the you know Chicago area. I said, "Did you see the eclipse?" You know, I called him Monday. I go, "Did you see the sun? Did it get dark?" You know, do you guys, you guys are in the totality area. He goes, "It goes." I, I didn't see anything. I go, "Why not? It's not happening in hundred years." He goes, "He goes. It's been overcast and dark here all day." I go, "I said, oh, okay, never mind." <laughs> <laughs> Exactly. <laughs> they're, in, they're in totality, the, mm. the darkness. But I think the weather can affect people, too. Absolutely. I mean, did you notice the weather on the East Coast, uh, Brian? Oh, absolutely. During, like, March, where it's, mm-hmm. where it's still, you know, 20 degrees and uh, it's the long winter. Yeah. Absolute yeah. effect, mm-hmm. for sure. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think being here is on the road to wellness. So. Gratitude is one of the things, if we actually practice it, that can change our baseline level of contentment and joy. Mm. Being generous and kind mindful to others. Med- and mindful meditation, there which it is. Julie Potiker teaches this. We should go to a, we'll go to meditation. Will you do meditation, mindfulness? We, absolutely. I yeah. practice daily. We ah. did a show about mm-hmm. meditation. Yes, we did mm-hmm. with Julie Potiker. You know, oh, I love her. Yeah, mm-hmm. you know, it was 42 mm-hmm. minutes of silence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's awesome. No, you know, 
<laughs> this is how you do it. <laughs> We're not going to have blue ribbon for that one, I don't think, though, Richard. But I know. Uh, uh, in, in any case, this has been very educational and enlightening. And uh, look, life's a challenge. Life's a struggle. Everyone That's thinks right. it's supposed. You know, we, we get in, indulged with uh, with these uh, Hollywood stars and celebrities. Think everybody's living, uh, you know, a fabulous life, and it's it's tough. So, but uh, gratitude and mm-hmm. uh, keeping aware of things and. Dr. Christopher Ball, thank you so much for being our guest today. It was great seeing you. True Such Life, True Life Wellbeing Brian, good luck to you, Bell. You're you're on the road, baby. You're thanks 24 for years me. old. My pleasure. Richard Musio, always great to see you. Justin Hart, our board operator. Thanks for making it sound terrific. Thanks to Craig Blanke and Dave Sniff here at KFMB for all their help. All these podcasts are commercial free on iymoney.com. We will see you next time. Bye bye.